By the end of this podcast, you're going to find out why Man United looks so poor against Wolves and whether Kevin De Bruyne's injury will detriment City's title chances. Welcome to the Knobcast, a podcast giving City and United fans their weekly fix of football analysis and debate with a focus on banter rather than bias. In today's podcast, we are going to be discussing Man United 1, Wolves 0. Were Man United lucky? Should it have been a penalty? How good did Wolves look? Burnley nil, Manchester City 3. City are back, but there's a big injury to Kevin De Bruyne. We're talking about the game itself and also how De Bruyne's injury will detriment City's title chances, if indeed we think it will. This is season two, the first installment of season two. Yes, we've been doing these for a full year now. Absolute madness. We really hope you guys have enjoyed uh, these uh, episodes and uh, being on this journey with us. And as always, my co-host in crime for this anniversary. It's our anniversary. I'm joined by my... Manchester United co-host Gasky. Hello, mate. Hello, hello. Can you believe it's been a year? It, it, it's flown by. Like you, you were just saying, you were just saying off air then, you know, uh, a year ago since Nunes went mental on his, what was his debut? Butting Anderson. My Lord, what a year it's been. What a year it has been. And it's a new season. There's new hope. But is there hope, Gasky, for your club, Manchester United? There's there's only one place to start, and it has to be that. Um, we, we both watched yes. the game uh, in full uh, last night, and awful. They were truly terrible, Manchester United. As good as Wolves were, and we, yep. will, we, will, we will touch on how good Wolves were, lots of people before the game, myself included, were predicting big scorelines. Lots of people, us included, said Wolves are probably going to go down and get relegated. Lots of managerial upheaval behind the scenes, etc. Lost one of their best players. And yet, Man United just were terrible in almost every single aspect on the pitch. Yeah, I think... I, I, let's, I will start, start I'm going to apologise to Wolves fans and Wolves because we were we were treating them based on off-field issues what was going to happen but we were I guess we were wrong they still have the quality there they still lack the strike which they've lacked since they've got back in the Prem because they have not scored enough anywhere near enough but they ran circles around United in midfield mm. you know they were, they were winning every second ball I think they won three times the amount of duels that they had and they could have been, they could have won three now. Let's be fair, easily, if they had a competent striker, but they, that's where they struggle and that's where they had the issues and that's where they may continue to have the issues if they don't sort that position out. I will, I will say though, I, you could see how United wanted to play, you know, different to last season. You, you're kind of playing with two eights with Mount and Bruno, and, you know, you're outnumbering their defence, but it was just too slow. They just took forever on the ball from defence to attack that you just, the Wolves just find the shape. United lose the ball, they counter them because Casemiro's on his own. You can't do that. Casemiro's a holding mid, possession-based holding midfielder. If United kept the ball, they'd be fine, but you just, they weren't doing it. You know, they, they were doing the, the part right where they were winning possession in Wolves' final third. They did it, I think they did it about 10 times. So you really, you go, you go freeing up in them situations, you know, you've got the ball back, you're outnumbering them in defence. But, Everything just went to went to rub it, went to crap at the last third, and then they were just wolves were just countering, and it didn't fix it until the second half when Sancho and Eriksson came on, and they went back to last season's way of playing, mm. which is a bit you know a bit deeper, slower. Wolves got pushed back, and they scored. 
because Wolves couldn't do what they were doing because Ericsson wasn't playing off the last man like Mount was doing. And you didn't, and I mean, Ganacho was crap, let's be fair. He was absolute garbage. Um, clearly, he's struggling to start games. He's coming off the bench, he's fine, but that's his issue. Sancho, I thought, was very good when he came on. And then they were much better when them two came on, you know? And then beautiful pass to um, wan uh, beautiful dink over the top, nodded in, perfect. Then obviously the controversy came out later in the game, but yeah, Wolves deserved to win that game. Yeah, and let's talk more about the midfield now of Manchester United because I think lots of people, myself included, before the season started, were saying that realistically a midfield three of Casemiro, Mount, Bruno Fernandes, I didn't really know how it was going to work on paper. I didn't think it would work that well on paper and in reality. And I think that was what we saw last night. I I, I do... Th- I do think that there were lots of individual bad performances. You've touched on Ganacha, who just looked weak and lost. I appreciate he's only 19, but he just didn't look up to standard. Um, Rashford was isolated. Casemiro kept giving away the ball. I don't know. I don't know what Mount. I don't know what his purpose was. Fernanda seemed too deep. Um, uh, but at the same time, I do think we have to give a bit of criticism to Ten Hag because I don't really like the system that United played. It didn't seem to get the most out of the players on the pitch. Gary Neville touched on it at halftime. He felt Luke Shaw in particular was wasted in his more sort of narrow role. And Fernandez seemed very deep a lot of the time. And that's not really where he's been operating the best for Manchester United. Normally he's like in that sort of like 10 position behind the yeah. striker, for example. I would I would say these more I would say there's more credit to Wolves than like criticism to like Tanaga United, more than I think if you play most teams you would play who are like low block, you'd, I think that would work against. I don't think teams like your Sheffield United and your Lutons, for example, who don't have that kind of... Because let's be fair, Wolves' midfield is very good in comparison mm. to a lot of the bottom half teams. A lot of the teams won't be able to get out of like they did. They were, they were The passing around was brilliant from them. You know, between uh, Nunez, Nunez and um, Cunha. Cunha was brilliant. And I don't think many teams will be able to do that. So playing the way they did and just just throwing players forward and outnumbering them, they could potentially win four or five nil against them teams. But clearly, Wolves knew how to beat them, and he just he just took too long before he changed it. I was going to say, know, it's yeah, like seventy so- minutes. It's like seventy minutes until he decided that's enough. He could have been three 0 down. He should have changed it miles sooner than that. I was going to say, been, yeah. yeah, he should have gone like, look, Mount playing that like kind of like that kind of what does Gundogan did for City last season, that deep that late run in. It will work, but. It doesn't. It doesn't work when Casemiro and Bruno are your two midfielders, because Bruno isn't going to sit back and do the kind of you know pick up role that you would get, um, like, you know, like more grafting type player to do. You know, a more deeper play. That's why they probably want Amrabat to do that kind of job. You know, he's not like the playmaker style, but he's the one that will just constantly run and win the ball back. So that's where the issue lies. Is like I think Mount and Bruno are too attacking to play them both at the same time. Mm. in that way against a team like that like I don't think it would never work against teams better because they will literally just destroy you that midfield playing that way but Mount isn't the type of player that's going to sit in eight and be, be calmed down he'd have to play 10 sure and then Bruno would have to play deep but you can see though from the pass for the goal Bruno can do that kind of job but does he want to do that I don't think so so why did it take Ten Hag so long because surely I mean you just said it then this you know uh, you the assumption is Wolves were going to come play a low block. It was pretty obvious after 5, 10, 15 minutes, that wasn't the case. Their midfield was constantly overrun. Exactly. So why didn't... Why, so Ten Hag well, didn't change it quickly enough. Yeah, that's the, that's the criticism of him. He took, it too, he took miles too long. 
It's mm. 70th minute when they have literally just kept doing the same thing over and over and over again, waiting for an outcome that isn't going to come. Is the is the criticism you should get? It's like no, you need to change it. And he's also, but then does that come to the whole depth situation of Sancho coming on for Ganacho should have been sooner. That's that's definitely should have been sooner. But how long can Ericsson play for? The risk of Ericsson is he hasn't got the legs. So if they're going to keep throwing players forward, he's just going to go missing still. So that's where, again, you come to the depth situation where in that same match, if Amrabat, the type of Amrabat player was in the squad and he start, he would literally have come on for Mount and it would have, I think that would have been miles better because you'd have a player who could sit with Casemiro, kind of protect, protect them each other and it would have been fine. Yeah, and just, just on protection, I think, I think you texted me during the game, it's pretty obvious that Casemiro is not the player from like, you know, five or so years ago. No. He, he's, he's not capable of doing that, you know, sole role anymore. No, when when there's a match like when there's a game like that where you're you're just getting hounded in the middle, like I think I think I saw a, I saw a picture on Twitter that showed like the average positions, and it was five Wolves players around two United players in the middle in average position, mm. because obviously Mount was doing them late runs forward, and they're just outnumbering them, and Casemiro can't do that. No, you know he's not that he's not even that he's, you know he's not even that type of player anyway. You know, not many players can do that. So yeah, so like you're going to rely on. Um, someone taking over from Casemiro in them games when you're playing like that mm. and you know having to be like a bit more ball playing um, deep line midfielder yeah for sure yeah so that is and I also just know we've again we're touching it before so like in, in the in the build up in the first phase Casemiro does seem to struggle in those moments so definitely not the long term yeah it's very very similar to Fabinho last season with Liverpool mm. he's just got he just got overwhelmed on his own and he can't he's not the type of player he used to be so yeah. just it's just one of them, isn't it? I think what this game also just like, I know it's, you should, maybe shouldn't be doing knee jerk stuff. It's early days in the season, but it's at this point, we both agree on that Rashford is just not a striker. He's, he's, not a he's, he's wasted. In my opinion, he's too, he's, I think he even said, he said on the overlap with Gary Neville, right? His left wing is his position. He said in an mm. interview, he prefers left wing, but he doesn't mind playing nine. But the problem with playing nine, and he, this came from his mouth was he likes the ball. He's not happy yes. to stand there. He exactly. wants to come and get it and he gets frustrated and he just kind of mopes about, which most players will do if you're not getting the ball. Yeah. That's why once Hoyland's fit and you can sit up there and you can be the rough man and you can battle with centre-backs mm. and then Rashford can then get the space on the out wide, it'll be fine. That's, that's the front three you want. Yeah, definitely. I like him. And I don't think it's a surprise. I think it was in the second half, Rashford's best bit of work came when he received the ball on the left and he actually attacked the Wolves yeah. right back and and you nearly created a chance coming from the left-hand side rather exactly. than the middle. After a completely quiet game. So that's what, yeah, exactly. Strikers not his position. And I think this is, this is the season. I think we said last week, like you, when you were talking about should they be competing with the amount he spent, this is the season now where he implements his style because clearly De Gea in goal last season couldn't play his style because you saw mm. we saw yesterday Onana just pinging the ball about and playing it around. He probably has the most he probably had the most touches in the first half mm. passing the ball about, which is great. That's a new style you've got to implement. Mount Mount going in and having this like five attackers at one point is an something you've got to implement in. So this is the season where you're going to have to implement this kind of style of football now, so that every week you play this way. You know. You can't just like decide one week it ain't working. I'm not showing up. Yeah, you know it's got to be a weekly thing. Definitely. Um, you said uh, you said uh, Sancho came on and looked good. I I think he looked fine, but I do think that he looked better relative to the poor performances of Anthony and Ganacho. To be fair, oh no, definitely he wasn't. He wasn't amazing. No. He was. He it was. was he was fine. Being, he was good. He was. He was better because he was 
taking the game to Wolves. He was picking the ball up and turning them and attacking them and making them push them back. Whereas it was just so many times where, like, one Misaka wasn't that bad, but he was just too slow. Mm. He was picking the ball up and he was stood with it. It's like, pass the ball to Anthony and then go and get in space. Go and push them back. Just taking miles too long to do anything. And that's why Wolves were just comfortable. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we will we will get onto the goalkeeper and the subsequent controversy. I just want to cover one last area of the pitch for United. Um, and that's uh, um, the butcher, Martinez, who was uh, he was crap, to be honest, Gasky, in that first half. They were all crap in the first half. Yeah. You know <laughs> it's hard to alienate. No. So, but like... Martinez, the way Martinez plays, he likes to, he plays pinging the ball about, right? Everyone else, no one were moving. Everyone was static, even for Onana. Mm. He, just, he was stood there that many times, the ball just looking at them. Move. What do you want him to do if they stood still? Mm. says, Martinez is the ball playing centre-back. That's literally what he does. Like, Varane was fine because he was having to defend. Mm-hmm. You know, he was having to do his thing. Whereas Martinez couldn't do his thing because they weren't moving. Yeah. So he's very, that first half kind of has to be a, it was shit, right? Move on from it because if you if you alienate so many players, which is what you know, I obviously I'll see more United fans on Twitter than you will. You're everywhere they're now telling players to like don't want to see them again in the United States. Like it's fucking, it's been forty five minutes of the game. Yeah, like come on, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, so yeah, so yeah, a re- it was very poor, very poor, very poor indeed. Um, and now, and speaking of poor, we've we've touched on how Wolves deserve to win just by their play being better. They were were really brave on the ball. At at times, a bit silly on the ball, giving it away, but they were still very brave, really good through the middle, just the finishing wasn't there. But yeah, they certainly deserve to win. And let's be honest, Gasky, this has been confirmed also by like the, uh, what's it called? PG Mall, you know, the the refereeing uh, society or whatever, um, that absolutely, no doubt, Onana... Mm clothesline speared clattered whatever verb you want to use yeah. into at least one wolves defender maybe even two um what on earth how has that not been given it's, as a penalty i think the issue i have with this is it's not an isolated incident because the day before the same thing happened in the brentford tottenham game but that's not getting the same limelight you I know remember I a player, a player is in the box. The keepers come out. The player's kind of just kicked it out of play, and the keeper's gone. The player's gone through him. Right? You can look at that as a the player's got got control of the ball. He's just whacked it away from the pitch. Like, what would your opinion be if a player was in on goal, right? And he's tapped it past the goalkeeper, as we see a lot of times. But he's tapped it so far, he ain't catching it. But mm. the player keeper still goes through him. Do you think that's a penalty? Well, I, I think it is probably a penalty. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. But yesterday, uh, Sunday, sorry, it didn't get given. Hmm. So then, why would this one get given? At least, you know, at least Onana's got his eyes on the ball. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, but it is, a pen- it is a penalty based on the situation. Like, he's come in, he's, he's risked it by going to punch the ball. Okay, the Wolves defenders, he- bit kind of, they've kind of bumped into each other and Dawson's headed up, heading it out of the box. And then Onana's clattered him because if he heads it towards goal, it's not a penalty because Onana's going to stop it. Mm. So that's where the issue lies. Is like, look, you don't give that one, you don't give that one. So really, you need to be like, look, if a goalkeeper's come off his line to come and punch a ball, if he misses it, it's like a like an outfield player for sliding in and missing the ball. Mm. The same thing. So really, they need to give them all. True, yes. Based on, based on the weekend's decisions, it's the right decision, but it's not the right decision, if that makes sense. Yeah, I can't remember the Spurs yeah. one, so I'm not going to 
Yeah, you have to see the, you have to see the yeah. So I can't touch on that. But 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 the, you know the the actual referees have come out and said that was a mistake, and this team has been suspended no, yeah. for. So even they accept it was a horrendous well, how error. How many times last season did they suspend a bloody team? I know, but it's the first That's match week. Signed. Like, exactly. how That's can they be this signed. incompetent? You can't just do. You know, you're just going to keep saying sorry. Just suspended the team, right? You might as well just damn no refs. Yeah. So, so you know, if you're just going to keep spending them, how about you just bloody sort it? Yeah, or I, I, I would have loved, I would love to have heard, and this is where I want, I want the transparency. I would have loved to have heard that conversation in the that's, VAR team. That's what's needed. We, if you, if you at least give us insight into the conversation they've had, because if if the 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 referee association have come out and said it's sorry, we got it wrong, we need to listen to their conversation then of why the VAR has told the referee doesn't need to go and look at it. Mm-hmm. Because clearly he sees something. He's made a decision. Is it? Is it that? Oh well, Nana's been watching the ball, and he's you know the Wolves players have got clattered into each other first. Then you can create your own opinion on that. You know if that's the right thing in the rules, whatever. But you need to let us let us hear, let us as fans understand what's going on and why you've come to that conclusion. Yeah, absolutely. There's too, there's too much silence on it of mm-hmm. these decisions. Definitely. Yeah, and I don't. I can't really understand why they wouldn't want more transparency, but I'm sure we'll get it eventually. Well, I'll just say though, before, before, obviously, if we take Onana's controversy out of the window, it was a breath of fresh air seeing a goalkeeper come off his line though. The United oh, shirt. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, especially like the, the cross he came to claim after that, you know, right at the last, like the last kick of the game or whatever it was. It's just, I've never seen the hair do that. <laughs> it was a breath of fresh air to see a keeper come flying about. Yeah. It's, so. it's like caveman discovers fire. It literally, it's like, it's like, you know, like, this is United fans on Twitter going, look what you just done that. It's like, yeah, every other keeper in the Prem does that. Yeah. You just haven't had that. I know, yeah. Everyone's like, yeah, that's so, pretty standard. It's, it's like, like, not yeah, for us. It isn't, not for it us. Isn't, it isn't United shirt. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, like I, 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 I thought his distribution was fine. I was a bit surprised, to be fair, at how many long passes he was attempting compared to short. I think more players probably should have showed well, for him. Well, yeah, that, that's, that was that was the main issue. He was stood there most of the time looking and having to pass it to the fullbacks, mm. you know, and then it's like, well, you know, move. Yeah. <laughs> move for him. Yeah, and I thought, so, I thought you know, in terms of his shot stopping, like he did save some shots, but they were pretty basic shots for him to save. So I think yeah. that was fine. Uh, and yeah, I think he's, he's obviously a, a big upgrade on De Gea, but obviously he did make a big mistake, should have given away a penalty. Who knows? Maybe he saves it, but, you know, it's it's a thing, um, yeah. It is a thing, and but just before we move on from Man United, Gasky, there's another man that I think you want to have a rant about, um, and his he's he was your club captain. Oh, uh, the greedy bugger! My lord, <laughs> can we, I think we can all agree now that that guy is a prick because he he clearly is some kind of ego egotistical maniac who is just like. <laughs> Like, you know, I can't, I didn't have anything against the guy. You know, I felt like, you know, he's not, I've ne- I'm not the one that's just going to slag off a player basically on, on field. You know, like if you're not good enough, you won't play. That's what Ten Hag's done. Basically, he's even said, you know, you're not, if you're not good enough to start, you won't start. Sure. Simple as that, which is what's needed. It, which, in a team that's struggling, that's what you need to do. But for him to want, basically, oh, you agreed a deal with West Ham, want to leave and then demand so much money out of your contract. Okay, right. You're entitled to pay, but just sit on the bench then. Don't talk about leaving, mm. but it's just, I've never known a player with such an ego. But he's clearly... Without having the ability to show for it. <laughs> yeah, well, he's, I mean, it, it was pretty obvious. I mean, the fact that Lindelof came on for Martinez in the left centre half role. That was all, exactly, that was all last season. Like, Lindelof yeah. would come on before him, which clearly shows that's Ten Hag's pecking order. Well, exactly. It, it shows well, that... Let's, let's be honest, if Malassi was fit, Shaw would be going in that centre-back position and Malassi mm. would be playing left-back. So that's his order he has. Simple yeah. as that. 
and get better and you'll play higher. Simple as that. So you either sit on the bench and see your contract out or, you know, leave. But the fact that I don't can't remember the last time a player has obviously wanted to leave or a bid's come in, okay, we'll like you to go to this team and then want you to pay out. Mm. It's a big you know, payout as well, isn't it? Because it's like ten million. Yeah. So, I will say that, I mean, you touched on it, he is legally entitled to it, and it is fundamentally yeah. United's fault for giving him that money. But at the same time, if Maguire, he, Maguire can no longer put on this faux, oh, I want to go play football, yeah. I, I don't mind taking a step yeah. down. I want to play football, you know, I want to be at the Euros next year, you know, I have to be playing first team football. You obviously don't if you want to pay out, you obviously want the money over anything else. Yeah. So, and there's nothing wrong you know. with wanting the money, but there is something wrong with saying one thing and then doing another yeah, thing. Exactly, you can't be like, yeah, so I want to fight for my place, but but if you want me to leave, I want to pay out to go with it. It's like, yeah, it's like which one is no. it, mate? So, so you have to sit on the bench because if you want to pay out and United are like, we're not giving you 10 million, Ten Hag will just happily have you sit on the bench. Yeah. You exactly. That's about it. So Yeah. And I quite like that attitude from United, to be fair. It's like, well, no. So, why would no? So, well, I've read I've read um I've read articles about like the whole new the new structure they've got now after Woodward left and stuff. And apparently they've just given they've just given Ten Hag free reign. You know, it's like look, it's your team, you do your thing, you just tell us what you want. Mm. And obviously with it we'll give you what you need. Which is good, which is what's needed. Not but not bankers running the club, you want the manager running it. Yeah. Running the team. Does that so Absolutely. But Ultimately, three points. Hopefully, yes. for United's sake, you can chalk it off as just it was a bad game. I mean, start yeah. the season. We'll, we'll, we'll learn from this. Exactly. I'll, spur, I'll Spurs away next week. Hopefully, go and prove a point against a better team, much better team. So, would be nice. Yeah, absolutely. That was the red half of Manchester. Let's move over to the blue side now. In the first Premier League game of the season, it was Burnley nil, Manchester City. Three. There's a lot less to digest in terms of the like the actual um, uh, flow, ebb and flow of the match compared to United. Um, essentially, Burnley played very well, as you and I both thought, Gasky, that you know yeah. Burnley are going to be good this season. And for for large portions of the game, they actually you know worried City. Like you know City again, it's early season, rusted a little. It wasn't vintage City, but it won't be for another few weeks. But yeah, that their high press was really troubling us at times. Um, but for like a Rodri interception, they probably would have had a goal. Um, but at the end of the day, it was just individual quality with those first two goals, especially from one Holland who, you know, first touch, it's a goal. Second goal is just un- unbelievable, like alien finish. Doesn't even, you've got no chance to stop that. Just he, doesn't, does, he, just, he, just, he doesn't think about it. He just, he just kicks the ball, knows where the net is at all times. And he just goes in top corner. Well, it was something, just, it was, I think it was something that incredible. Yaya Torre said, because if you look at the goal, he doesn't even look at, he doesn't even look at the, goalposts yeah. and Yaya Torre like scored like one infamously against Palace I think someone asked him about it and he said well the goal po- the goalposts don't change so I don't even need to look well yeah exactly like, if you if you if you're all in your head I guess if you always know where you are in the box you you know where the net is yeah simple as that and that's what makes I guess a good striker and, isn't it? it? and it's also it's my favorite goals are the ones that sort of like just come off the crossbar as well there's just something extra sweet about those anyway, it's just it's the ding yeah <laughs> it's just going in and it's just like yeah yeah. Satisfying. I just, I just love that. Yes. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Uh, and then the third golf seat, yeah, Roger, it's absolutely lovely. Um, but I do actually want to go to some uh, Noblet uh, Patreon supporter questions just for this section, just because like they've asked some questions, which I think are quite relevant for this uh, bit here. So obviously De Bruyne went off injured. We'll talk about that. Um, 
but Will has asked, uh, has Pep's superiority killed tactical variation in football? Ten Hag, Bostokoglu, Poch, Arteta, Klopp all seem to be students of Pep or are copying the tactical trends of Pep. And and we can add, we can add Vincent Company to that in a way as well. Now, what I thought was interesting was, we'll get into the De Bruyne injury in depth in a second, but when De Bruyne went off injured, did you catch the game, Gasky? Were we able to watch it all? Yes, I watched I watched. Most of it. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so uh, 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 at the start of the game, it was like De Bruyne central, but and like Foden was on the left wing, I believe. Yeah, he was on the left wing at, at the start. De Bruyne goes off. We bring on uh, Kovacic for him. And what actually happens is that we change the shape so that it's really pushing the fullbacks very wide. So Walker on the right, Lewis on the left, pushing them really high and wide. And what that meant was that the, quote, wingers, so um, Phil Foden, Alvarez, even though they were technically like the right and left winger or whatever, they actually it actually enabled them to play very narrow. So it meant that we actually got to see midfielder Foden, central Foden, which is what we, well, I'm so desperate for. And that's how the second goal was scored. It was scored by yeah. Foden in the midfield, breaking the lines brilliantly with his pass. Um and that is, I guess, another uh, tactical uh, variation uh, uh, that Pep has done and, and, and adapted. Um, and what I would also say is that another thing that was interesting, just to build on Will's uh, question, is that company has sort of adapted this. So Pep's solution, and we saw it against Arteta's Arsenal last season, was to do a long ball. So just a big long pass up to the big man, Holland, who bring it down and you beat the opposition press. So actually... In the olden, in like in the olden days, when Pep first started out as manager, that was quite a standard, common, probably like majority teams would play like that. Would you say it's fair to say Gasquet, like a big well, striker well, up top, pump it, it up well, to yeah, him? Yeah, it, it tends to work. Or find that couple of quick passes once you win the ball back and find that pass because I think it, I can't I can't remember what the guy's name was. The striker for Burnley constantly was making that run through the centre backs and they were mm-hmm. trying to find him down the lines because that was the way to beat it. Yes. You know, like you said, they spread the play, the gaps appear in the centre, run, make that diagonal run and find him. So, yeah, and that, there's always there's always going to be like, there's a way to beat every type of football, let's be fair, because you can't, you know, defend, you can't attack and then defend. You know, if you find the, if you find the, um, how to beat a team's formation, you'll, you know, you have your chances. And that's what, that's what Burnley did well. And that's what, that to me is not a, like to answer the question. It's not. A, I wouldn't say it's you know it's ruining football. It's actually making it better because it's you're having to find solutions for different styles. Like Pep, you know, like when he was at Barca, he started at Barca. It was what was a tiki taka football. It was four three three, and it was simple pass, just pass them to death. He doesn't just do that now. He cha- mm. he changes it mid game every twenty minutes. Something will change, and a different formation will appear, and your team has to adapt to it. Yeah, and you know, and it's all different. It's all different styles. You know, they all don't play the same way. Like you said, you know, they played with kind of wide fullbacks and then like a left attacking mid and a right attacking mid. And then like like United play, tried to play with five attackers, you know, and that kind of style. They're all different ones. There's all different ones going about and they all need to learn it. I think Arteta's is the closest that mirrors a Pep, which would make sense, being his assistant for God knows how long. But it is is I think I quite enjoy it because it, it shows that teams have to adapt in certain ways. That playing uh, dice football, like we used to call it when last time Burnley were in the Prem, that everyone just didn't couldn't stand doesn't tend to work really, mm. you know? But then obviously, like you said, long ball coming out of nowhere does work. But that, and, and each style, even for Pep. Yeah, and I was just going to say that that's what I think is so fascinating that, you know, Pep 
at, at the time of like Pep coming into a manager, like the long ball game was very prominent. It's like I'd say, you know, the, the majority of like the clubs were probably probably playing like that. And now Pep's obviously revolutionized football and revolutionized tactical theory, etc. Now everyone wants to play like Pep. So everyone is trying to do the, you know, as you say, yeah. you know, with so, the high so pressing, do? So do. How do I come to myself? Exactly. So that's Pep, what you're doing. Genuinely. Yeah. So Pep is now at the stage where he, he, it's almost in a way his own genius is now coming back to haunt him in a way because now everyone is trying to play like that. So he's now got to come up with innovations to, to figure his, to figure himself out. And he's realized that, well, actually everyone, it's all well and good doing this high press thing. Yeah. But I've, I can I've beat got, myself. <laughs> but, you know, I, I've got a six foot four, six foot five Viking up top who I can just punt it to long ball. I will, long I will do what you, I will do what you used to do to me. Yeah, exactly. I'll just do it to you. Yeah. And it works. Cause when you've got Ed and, and that's how someone, like, there, was, there was this really good chance made like Edison. And it's important to say long pass actually than long ball. Cause it's not just a random punt. Yeah. It's a specific well, it's not, pass. Yeah. It's yeah. a long pass by Edison. Holland takes it and then like flicks onto Alvarez, who should have uh, done well, better with it, the chance. Was it last season? Was it against Brighton last season at the Etihad where Holland yeah. scored one of them? Yeah, and it was it was their way of breaking down them, passing them to death. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's just so, really funny to see that the, the next the next you know um, uh, it, you know tactical masterclass. It'll, by it'll Pep. go full circle. It'll go full circle. Pep will go back to his old way, and everyone else will be playing long yeah, ball. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it, so I, I thought that was really interesting yeah. to see, and it, it's a good weapon to have. Let's put it. Let's put it that way. City can play both ways. Um, yeah, so it was a you know, really good win by City. Deserved to win, obviously. Um, red card, don't need to talk about that. It was a red card. Um, but uh, And this is another Noblet question, which we do need to talk about. DR asks, is De Bruyne's injury going to affect um, his performances after he recovers? And let's also talk about how him being out, how much is that going to impact City, if at all? He's, mm-hmm. he's, uh, I don't know if you've seen the news today, Gasky, but it's been confirmed. Yeah that he's probably going to have surgery, which I think is the correct call. And yes. it means he's going to miss out all football in 2023. He's going to be recovering early 2020, early 2024. So he's going to be out for like, you know, four, four months, that sort of time frame. So yeah. three to four months yeah. or whatever. Um, now, my thoughts on this is obviously, you know, you'd rather have Kevin De Bruyne in your team. He's the best midfielder in the world. He's City's best player, etc. You know, any player without their best player is worse um, but I'm not really massively doom and gloom about it because I think he's he's going to come back, obviously, sort of like January time. The crunch time in the Premier League, that's when you need everyone fully at it. Yeah. You know, yeah. As long as City within touching distance, we bring back our best player into it. it that, that's game over for me. Um, and it's also the fact that it's potentially an opportunity for someone like Foden to now now actually have the chance to play in the middle. We might get Piquetta or Pakita or whatever as another option there. So... And also, um, I think the eighteen nineteen season, where it was like City, Liverpool, City finishing one point ahead of them, De Bruyne missed like around half of that campaign as well through injury yeah. at the start of the season, and other players stepped up. I'm of the opinion that other players are going to step up, and City will be fine. Yeah, yeah, I think they will because I guess the position he plays, you've got the depth there to for people to play in that position, especially if we sign um, Pakatar. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I guess the one thing he will, that will miss, I guess, is that that De Bruyne to Haaland run because I don't think there's a player in the world better than him at doing that swinging ball in. Yeah. That the person dive at. It's going to be a lot. I think it's going to be a lot more precise without him doing that because he can just create something out of nothing. And just you know, if a player can do that, they're the best in the world. So that's I think mean, that's what they'll miss. But I don't in, from a day to day, I don't think 
don't worry too much. But this is what De Bruyne needs because, you know, obviously 32 isn't old, but, you know, he's getting, in terms of football years, he's getting on a bit, takes longer to recover. He need, just needs that big chunk of time just to recover. Mm-hmm. You know, United almost did it with Rashford, letting him play with a dodgy back and he could have missed a full year of his career and two years based on it. So you just got to let him recover. Yeah, definitely. And, and surgery on that, because it is the same injury that he suffered in the Champions League final. So clearly it's, a, it was two major muscle injuries. Did, in, did, in he, play over, did he play over pre-season? Yeah, well, he played, he, he, he was brought on in the community shield. Yeah. So, so, so obviously, I, could, I guess it's just something that's just up again, hasn't it? Yeah. So, uh, so clearly he needs surgery. Yeah, so. but, but but they clearly thought it was fully recovered. Otherwise, they, there's no way they would have risked well, there's it. No, there's, but, no, there's no way, you know, and if doctors check and if they go, it looks fine. And then obviously aggravated it, just could yeah. have to surgery. Yeah, yeah. so... Uh, uh, so to, to answer Dion's question, he says, do you think it'll affect his performance after he recovers massively? Look, I don't, I don't think that De Bruyne will be the same player as he was like in 2020 when he was at his peak, but I think that's more to do with age, honestly, rather than an injury, yeah. to be honest. I don't see the injury neg- massively affecting him. He, he, won't, he won't be as effective, but he still will be effective. It's yeah. not like, you know, he's just going to vanish. Yeah, I, I still think he'll be the best midfielder in the world, even on oh, yeah. a bust yeah. hamstring. To be honest, that's how good he is. You just, you just, you just won't, you just won't make them run them runs as much. You'll just do it from deeper. <laughs> still do what he does. Yeah, so. definitely. And a lot of people yeah. say this about De Bruyne because I mean, his physicality is a big part of his game. Like he is deceptively quick and strong. He's, like, he's already, he's already kind of moved back, hasn't he? Because I'm pretty sure, like a few years ago, he was playing that kind of higher forward ten role. But recently, he kind of plays a bit deeper. And Gundogan last season was doing it more than him. Well, he's, he's that's forward, the thing. He's so. he's more than capable of playing deeper. So it's not even. Exactly. Like, so, I mean, we saw it with like you know Perla when it, he was like you know like Euro. Well, Rooney, Rooney did it. Rooney, Rooney started moving further and further back as his career was going. Well, that along. works as well, yeah. That's what midfielders do. Yeah, yeah. like it's it's he, he he. I I'm of the opinion that De Bruyne will still be world class until like the age of 36. To be honest, like look oh, at Modric. Oh yeah. There's, oh, there's, yeah easily. There's no and De Bruyne's better than Modric. There's no reason why that can't happen. Um. So. Yeah. I think that City, look, we've obviously that there are some tricky fixtures coming up between now and when De Bruyne will be back. But this squad, especially if we get more depth in the form of like a, a, a Pakatar and a, a Doku, I believe, uh, from, from the French League. Uh, we've got Foden, we've got Bernardo, we've got Haaland, we've got Grealish, Gavardiol, Diaz, Stones. we've got plenty of players, Rico Lewis, plenty of players who are more than capable of stepping up because this has never been a one-man team. Even last season with Haaland, it still wasn't a one-man team. It's a squad game and one player yeah. being out, even if it's City's best player, it, it gives opportunities it, to other players. Yeah. Well, that, that's that's why the champions, you know, you know, you, you can have your best player out, but you're still the best team. That's just how good, it's, you know, of a team City are. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And... Yeah, so I think I think that'll be fine. We'll tie to run in. We'll have a we'll have a fully fit De Bruyne. That's what it sounds like. And I was happy with the City performance. And probably this this Premier League match week, City were obviously very good. Arsenal were good, but a little bit shaky towards the end, obviously. And well, Arsenal, I think yeah, Arsenal just showed the issues they had end of last season away. Like they were comfortable, but not comfortable for 90 minutes you know they kind exactly. of they let, team, let teams back in the game which is what we said last season They're letting him in the game and yeah. you can't do that mm-hmm, definitely yeah uh, Newcastle so, obviously look good but I think that very good. they won't be in a title race so for me I, I don't think my mind has changed me personally I think this will be another City Arsenal first and second situation based on, based on performances yeah yeah exactly Right, we have a we did answer a couple of Noblet questions in that uh, City section but we do still have two more to uh, have a chat about um, Ed asks, 
What needs to happen for Refn to become more effective? Options on VAR. I mean, we have, we did touch on this with the Onana situation, to be fair. The first thing is more transparency. Give, give the audience at home, uh, you know, like get get the right, get the refs mic'd up, get the VAR room mic'd up. Yeah, even if, even if, even if it's after the game, like just let us know what they've said. Because end of the day, right? Everyone's see, it's been twenty four hours now. Everyone's seen the replays. You, you're everyone's guessing why it wasn't given. It's a guessing game. Tell us, tell us why they are have come to that conclusion. Don't just apologize. Tell us why you're apologizing. What is he? What has that guy in the room said to not give it? Mm. Simple as that. Like let us know, and then maybe maybe it'll bend change people's minds. I'm not just saying the Onana decision. I'm saying more decisions, and yeah. I'll give you an idea of why these kind of late goalkeeper challenges making themselves big are not getting given yeah simple as that definitely definitely um that's a start anyway maybe like actual sanctions on referees as well like you treat referees like players yeah like what's a referee going to learn by being suspended for like a week they'll just be back like next time how about like, reward I, I think you should start rewarding championship refs who get a good grade or whatever they do and, and demote premier league refs maybe that's essentially a start. Don't know. Maybe, but yeah, it, like lots of things could happen. Um, yeah. Clearer rules would also be helpful, but I do also think it's the interpretation of the rules where these referees exactly. have just proved time after time after time that they cannot be trusted and they do not know what they're talking about. I don't mean don't. I don't mean can't be trusted in terms of like their bent. I mean can't be trusted in terms of incompetence not like it, it, bias it, like you said like you said the key the key thing for me is transparency because like, if we're just using the Onana situation for example a decision's not being given all you've got is sorry we didn't give it he's not refing next week right why haven't you given it to, hmm. you know answer the question of why yeah definitely definitely yeah uh, Kante says if you could choose one player from each Premier League winning side to sleep with who would it be and why we're not going to go through every single Premier League win side because that's mental. Um, I get, you know, of my United's winning sides, Gasky, if you had to have a crush on one of them, who would it be, do you think? Oh, God. I've, I, 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 I'll have a crush on Aguero. I'm, sure, I'm trying to think who. who is, who's had the biggest influence who, who deserves my time? My time. Uh, <laughs> it's my time. They're taking up. It's true. How about Wazza? Um, I don't. Uh, I mean, Wazza did a lot. Beat the living shit out of me. To be fair. Yeah. No, just <laughs> have to. Just have yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, no, just have I to think, have a crush on him. Some, oh, I guess I was. I was at Old Trafford for his debut, and I saw probably the majority of his record-breaking goals. So yeah, I would say I would probably say Wazza. Wazza, excellent stuff. Uh, cool. There we go. Thank you. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. There we go. A very normal question to end the podcast. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much to you guys, the listeners. If you're listening to this right now, I'm addressing you directly. Uh, thank you so much for listening uh, to the podcast. Do make sure to follow so you never miss another episode. We are in our second season of the Knobcast. We are not going anywhere. We are in this for the long term and the long haul. So we got through our first season. I thought it was a very good first season, to be fair. And don't it, worry. We did. It did. Season it's two. Get better. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be bigger and it's going to be better. You don't want to miss any of it. As I say, make sure to follow the podcast so you all stay updated and you never miss another episode. But until next time, guys, where we will be probably discussing the UEFA Super Cup and also the other Premier League matches, um, I have been Nobbins. I have been Gasky. And we will see you guys. Well, we won't see you, but you guys will listen to us next time. Goodbye.